Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Charles with the Barbershop Group Podcast. Today, we're doing a live show with a uh, marriage and family therapist, sex therapist, sex specialist, uh, Paola Rodriguez, out of Miami, Florida. They're coming out of Fort Lauderdale and Miami, Florida, uh, doing a therapy in two different locations. Uh, and uh, it's really cool to have her on because she is uh, one of our other Gottman trained couples and certified sex therapists um, that we're going to have a conversation with today. I know we've been talking about uh, doing this live, uh, doing a run up to it. So, uh, you know, we will uh, jump right in and we'll also be able to uh, get this up live Facebook for you all momentarily. But uh, Paula, can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Yes. Okay, great, great. Thank you for uh, for joining me today. We want to see if we can get you uh, get you live uh, on uh, with a link that we sent to you. It should be in your email now. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, that'll that'll get you uh, get you going as well, I believe. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that that got our attention uh, was. Uh, a little picture that you put out there talking about uh, sexual problems and a lot of people having sexual problems and asking the question, well, whose fault is it? And I know that a, a lot of times for uh, for individuals, that's a that's a real concern because people will point the fingers in relationships uh, when it comes to something like sex. And uh, there's a lot to be discussed. Uh, regarding uh, where these problems get started. So today we're going to delve right into that. So um, you said that you know, sometimes attitudes or cultural differences impact our lives. So we want to talk about that um, a, a little bit because even I am uh, not really aware of that. But in, in terms of the, the clients that you deal with, uh, who come to you with sexual questions or sexual problems, what does that demographic tend to look like for you? Well, you know, so one thing that we know, um, sexual issues really plague couples that are early in their relationship. So, uh, you know, all ages, all types of people, but really if you've been married or living together for two to three years, um, desire tends to diminish. And so the people that come in that are not connecting in a sexual way are usually people that are early on in the relationship. That's what we see. That's what the demographics show. Got you. I see. So it's not so much people who are in long-term relationships. It, it are, it's people who are in early relationships. And why do you think that's the case? Uh, so, you know, I think so what I see often is that, you know, there's this idea of love and desire, right? And when you really start to love and get to know someone, what do we want? We want predictability. We want stability. We want all those things that routine. But then when we start to jump into a routine, now we're moving in together. Now we're talking about finances. Now we're talking about family. And time tends to lessen. And so, really what we start to see is that desire starts to hurt, right? The other thing that we know is that in the beginning of the relationship, you know, there is that, uh, that bridge, that desire, that, uh, you know, seduction, that tease. And then eventually when things start to settle, we stop doing those things that really spark the creativity, the curiosity, you know, the enticing of the relationship. Got you. I, I see it. And so if you had to, and I don't know if you can, uh, but if you had mm-hmm. to pinpoint just a, a time frame where things start to where couples start to say, well, you know what, things tapered off or these started to arise or something like that. I don't know. Is there a time frame that, that typically sure. uh, gets thrown out there? Sure. So what we know is that, you know, the, the, the fun time of the relationship or, you know, just kind of getting to know each other and the passion tends to last anywhere from six months to, if we're really lucky, two years. 
right? And then the statistics show that one in three marriages are in a no-sex relationship and a one in five unmarried but living together more than six months tend to kind of fall into that as well. I think the problem is that, you know, when it comes to sex, first of all, the topic of sex is not something that is openly talked about. Nobody really teaches us how to talk about this in a more pleasure-oriented type of way. So we already don't know how to talk about sex, right? Um, We've learned about sex, and most of the time we learn about sex, don't get pregnant, don't get an STD, you know, it's a lot of negative talk out there. So first of all, couples don't know how to talk about it because individually, you know, culturally, sometimes in certain cultures, it's not openly talked about. And so when it's not only not, we don't know how to talk about it, this leads to failed conversations that a lot of the times lead to conflict. And in a relationship, what we tend to do is avoid because we ultimately want to get along. And so people stop talking about it, stop connecting, stop doing it. And I've seen couples sometimes that haven't been sexual for weeks, but sometimes for months and sometimes for years. Wow. I see. Got you. So, um, you know, with with cultural differences, um, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit saying that, well, some people come from cultures where they talk about uh sex and as part of gratification in other cultures they they don't do you find that this is an issue that comes up quite a bit when you're speaking with couples absolutely absolutely you know i think that often so i'm colombian right and in the colombian culture i think you know some of some of the messages i think that i i got around sexuality or the women in my family was, if you're not having sex with your husband or your partner, they're getting it somewhere else, right? And so we grew up with these messages thinking, you know, that, oh, my God, what does this mean? I can't say no. It, it Now it becomes an obligation and not a free choice. But a lot of the time, especially when I work couples that come in as a sex therapy case, I spend some time with both of them, but I always do an individual session where I collect a full sexual history what were the messages about masculinity in your family? What were the messages about men and women? What are those gender expectations that have been embedded with you on your since you were small, little? And you know, when we think about culture, there's some cultures where if the woman cheats, right, she's damaged goods. If the guy goes out of the relationship, well, he's just being a man. Right, so I think we learn, this is where we learn about love, affection, and sexuality. And so it's really important to understand the messages from culture, society, media, right? We're not comfortable talking about sex. However, sex is everywhere. You know, so I think it, there's such a value in being able to understand where does this person come from? And, you know, how have they been built? You know, what is what does their sexuality look like? You know, where what were the messages that they learned uh, early on religion too, right? Religion can be very black and white when it comes to just uh, procreation and sexuality and love. And so I think it's really important to tap into all of those and see, you know, what did they learn and, and how does that, and how does that present in the couple? So I think that uh, one of the things that, that come to mind when I hear you speak about, about cultural issues and uh, cultural, you know, sexual issues that a lot of people, um, because they had some, uh, a religious uh, perspective about sex or something like that, then those things start to impact uh, their interaction with their partner or just, you know, down the line, down the road, it starts to really impact how they get on with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. So in terms of, in terms of uh, religious practices, do you have individuals coming to you saying, well, wait a minute, uh, I grew up this way or I had a different understanding or according to my belief system, we do this, but we don't do that. Uh, do you have individuals come to you with things like that? Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's kind of like this idea that with my wife, I can do certain things, right? Or my husband, I can do certain things. And then certain things they can't because they're not approved of. Absolutely. And I think we have to work through all the layers, you know, and what feels good and kind of reclaim what it means to be sexual and what feels good 
in your body, but 100%, you know, we have someone that maybe comes in that's grown up in a very Christian or Catholic upbringing, right? And maybe they're, I don't know, masturbating once a day or twice a day, and somehow there's a lot of guilt. But then we have someone that may be a little bit compulsive or obsessive, but I think religion has so much to do or just upbringing, you know, the messages that we get. And as women, right, being more sexual or asking for what they want, verbalizing those feelings of sex, you know, there's something that has been negatively reinforced because of those messages. So that's something that definitely comes in through my door. Um, And, you know, and it's a lot about normalizing and educating. And, and, you know, I think we all grow up with judgments. I mean, I think people want to believe that nobody's judgmental. Listen, we all grow up with judgments because we all come from different uh, upbringings and situations, but I think it's really, it's our responsibility to kind of tap into them, challenge them if we need to, and create a new way of doing and being. But I definitely see those type of cases for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you originally had that, that picture out there saying, well, who's, whose problem is it? Is it mine? Is it hers? His, ours, theirs, whose is it? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a lot of times people come into your office blaming somebody else for the issue that they have. Is that what you are alluding to? Yes. So there's so much, you know, what when when sex starts to diminish, I think we often go into the blame game, right? I remember that blame is a way to discharge discomfort. Right? But I think what happens, and you know, it's interesting, sometimes couples come in. But a lot of the time, only the woman comes in, right? Because there is this assumption that women are less sexual, and that's 100% myth. The one of the things that women are very sensual, and I'll go back to that, but I think, you know, we create this expectation. Men are often encouraged to be the initiators of the relationship, right, which I don't agree with. I think we both need to initiate. But I think often it's, it, there is a blame game, but the woman comes in thinking, okay, is it me? Do I, you know, is it libido? Is it desire? Am I not attracted to my partner? You know, and they've gone to the gynecologist, they've gone to the doctor, they've done all this stuff before they come to me. And eventually I do a lot of work with them, but I have the male come in or the female, the other partner come in, um, because I don't want us to think about okay, whose problem is it, but let's kind of come up with a solution together because we need two people to sex. You can't sex, yeah, yeah you can kind right. of self-explore and, you know, self-pleasure, but we need two people. And when, um, yes. and often what I find is, listen, when there's no physiological anything, like hormones are good, is it that women don't want to have sex or is it that they don't want to have the sex that is being offered? Right, research shows that women tend to get bored with monogamy first. Um, for men, it's a little bit more of a gradual thing as time goes on, maybe because they're more interested with the experience itself. And this is the work of Esther Perel. Um, but I think you know, if I could almost paint it as a restaurant, right? And the main course symbolizes the orgasm. So, men and women go into the restaurant. And the, and the guy is really, you know, interested in the filet mignon, this being the main course, right? He's like there for the orgasm. For women, you know, women go into the restaurant and they notice the ambience and they notice the music and they notice the people and they really are enticed by like the appetizers and the main course is part of it, but not the entire thing. So I think when it comes to the blame game, initiation and how we make the time, how intentional we are, has a lot to do with the solution. But most of the time, yes, there's a lot of blame because there's a lot of hurt. You know, rejection in sexuality, it it hurts. It causes embarrassment. It causes shame. It causes guilt. It causes pain. It causes anger. So we want to find who to blame. And I think that's just like a temporary thing when I'm able to kind of get them both on the same page then, you know, the energy changes a little bit, and now we're working together. I see. Yeah, so we, uh, we're we going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this sure. uh, word uh, from one of, our, one of our partners. Guys are passionate sports fans. 
so passionate that our moods and our emotions are directly linked to the fate of our favorite team. But if your team's loss turns into a hole punched through the wall or a remote control tossed through your LCD TV screen, then you might be a little too passionate. Visit HealthyMidMichigan.org to take a free anonymous mental health screening and find tools and resources to help you get back in the game. Based on your results, you may be eligible for a paid volunteer research study. This program is funded by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So in terms of, of blame, you know, you're talking mm-hmm. about different different parties. I'm really curious as we, we talk to a guy about this, do you have a lot of men coming in blaming uh, in, in heterosexual uh, um, relationships? Do you have a lot of men blaming women uh, for their sexual frustration? Um, you know, I, I mean, I think the way, you know, blame is kind of how I'm naming it, but yeah, it's not you know, I had an experience where it's like really aggressive or where, you know, I think once men come in, you know, they feel defeated. They don't really understand why this is happening. It's very confusing. People want a quick fix and find the answer. So I see it more as anxiety to fix, right? Like how do we, how do we fix this? How do we, how do we kind of, uh, you know, bring a solution to the problem right now? But because, but I believe that that's because there's this assumption that women are less sexual. So it must be your problem, right? Because you're the one that's always saying no. And you're the one that, you know, usually turns around or we're about to go to sleep at the end of the night. And you don't want to be touched. And so I do see the blame. But when they present in my office, I see more like the defeat, the confusion, the helplessness. Because remember, before they come into me, they have already tried a lot of, a lot of different things. And I often find that people kind of want to know how to fix the problem. How do we fix it versus why does it exist, right? And the house are like medications. The house are visits to the ob of the urologist. The house are very surface. So my job comes in. It's really, let's understand why this is happening. What is the root of the problem? And that's where the exploration really, really begins. Yeah. And I remember reading an article uh, talking about men dysfunction and they were saying that a lot of men who uh, were seeing uh, urologists and getting Viagra, Cialis and things like that, they really didn't have uh, that type of problem. It was more of a psychological problem and they were kind of shifting to the to the drugs in order to uh, to address, you know, the, the how and not why certain things were uh, were happening in their relationships. And then beyond that, I think just generally, sometimes guys, we can kind of check out. It's not all of us, but I think sometimes men tend to, you know, check out of things and not realize, well, this is what my spouse or girlfriend or whoever is experiencing right now. And so these are some of the barriers that exist. And then because they don't even recognize, they're not saying, well, how can we uh, you know, remedy this. So what can I do to uh, to make an impact here? Like I, I remember um, having several conversations with men and women, and there's a big argument uh, between men and women. You know, the women are saying, hey, well, if maybe you help me clean the kitchen or clean the house, uh, then at the end of the night when you want to be intimate, I won't be so tired and maybe it's happens. And then the counter argument was there. And then still it's an argument today. A lot of men are saying, well, if I have to do something that's less masculine, I'm going to feel less masculine and you're going to see me as less masculine. And then we don't uh, connect sexually that way. Um, so I, I've heard all types of different um, different uh, uh, reasons for why yeah. it doesn't happen. Have you Have you heard those things? Oh, such a great subject that you're bringing up. So I don't know if you remember, but I think this was last year. Uh, Super Bowl had this amazing commercial with Mr. Clean where, um, I don't know if you're familiar. If not, you guys have to look it up because Mr. It's, it's a commercial for Mr. Clean. And, you know, he's helping her, like, clean, and she's really into it, and desire is happening. And at the end of the commercial, it's actually her husband. So I think tapping into what you're saying, well, I'm going to be less masculine, but again, then you learn that masculinity was really sticking to your gender role, right? Can we modify that? But the other thing that you mentioned, so true, especially, you know, so I practice in Boston for 10 years. I'm, I'm back in Miami, and I've seen a lot of guys come to me, young guys, 
healthy, do not need to be taking Cialis or Viagra. And it's the first thing that I tell them. Right? Of course, I do a little bit of an assessment. But, you know, I think it's, it's about this quick fix. We are living in a society where being in the present has become like a foreign thing. We're constantly glued to our phone, going on to the next best thing. And when something doesn't work right, you know, when it comes to the sexual part of the relationship, what do we do to fix this? So, and imagine 90% of sexual problems have are psychological or have a psychological component, right? When we think about uh, sexual dysfunction, right? And we think about, okay, has this been a lifelong problem? Really, the percentage of men that have experienced sexual dysfunction since their adolescent years are very, very minimal. It's a very low percentage. So I can't wow. emphasize enough how important the psychological part of sexual problems is. I can't emphasize it enough. And I believe that Viagra and Cialis are being overprescribed in some cases. You know, in some cases, what we see is that in men, we see performance anxiety, right? And energy. Those are the main things that get in the way of being sexual. I don't have enough energy and I'm afraid to perform. For women, it's more being in the present moment because we're constantly connected to so many things, right? And so um, I see a lot of cases where people come in and they are being prescribed something and I just don't, you know, it's not a need. And then something that you mentioned that I want to tag along is uh, men tend to check out. That is so true. And I think often it's not because they don't want to be involved or engaged, but they just get frustrated. They just don't know how. Like, how do we fix this problem? I've tried in so many ways. And I just don't know how to do it. And I believe that the other problem is that, you know, we've taught men to be strong, to provide, right? And now as women, we want them to be open and express feelings. But a lot of the times, expressing your emotions and your feelings is a threat to your masculinity. At least I know that in my culture, right, men don't cry, right? And men are supposed to be strong. And so I think... For men, you know, it's, they're, they're also kind of going through this change of what is my role? There's so much talk about we still want men to be assertive, right? But we also, but women are also kind of going through this, like, independent, I can do it my, on my own. And, and, you know, men are confused about what are the messages, what is my role? So I think it's really important to, you know, just kind of clarify that a little bit more and, and, and be open and, and have these conversations. And if you can't do it on your own, that's what we accept to facilitate those type of difficult conversations that are going to show up in every relationship. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, those are very um, important points. That like I said, something guys will talk to each other about. And if they have a decent relationship with guys in their lives, they'll, they'll talk about those things. And you know, when you talk about being providers and stuff like that, I I, I just think about whether whether it's a man or a woman. Uh, today's uh, society, everybody's on their phones. Everything is always go, go, 24-7. So, you know, you, your sex life takes a backseat to paying the bills, to raising kids, um, to to work, and, and, and things like that. And so sometimes, um, you know, we, we get out of the I don't want to say habit, but we don't just we don't practice that in our in our lives uh, having healthy sex lives. I think once we get beyond a certain age, it's like, well, you know what? That's not as important. I'll get to that in a minute. But I also know that there are a lot of guys who, although although they are focusing on being providers, they still want you know that part of their lives to to be better. And uh, and it's not. But at the same time, if you were to say, hey, why don't you go see someone about this? Someone about this? Why don't you see a therapist about this? Uh, a lot of guys, they don't do that. <laughs> you know, uh, they just kind of want the problem to go away uh, for it to fix on their own. And that doesn't happen. But uh, mm-hmm. we've got some more questions for you. We've got some more questions for you. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right sure. back. Great. Thank you. Hey guys, Riley here. If you're enjoying today's show and would like to hear more, you can gain access to member-only content by going to patreon.com slash thebarbershipgroup. We aim to provide as much value as possible to you and the rest of our community, and our listeners play an important role. So if you want more content, or if you're just happy to support our mission and the other men out there, head over to patreon.com slash thebarbershopgroup to contribute today. 
So we're talking about uh, problems with sex and who's responsible for those problems in relationships. And, uh, you know, Paulo, one of the things that I was thinking about with regard to men and mm-hmm. um, and just being busy, being workaholics and what have you is, and I'm going to take the, the hard line, and I, I don't believe that men are doing enough uh, to uh, to aid in their own sexual fulfillment or in, in the sexual fulfillment of their partners, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, that may be somebody out there be listening and say, hey, you know what? I don't believe that. I'm doing just fine. Things are great. But, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that I don't think that guys generally that we're doing a good job uh, communicating our needs, right, number one, uh, mm-hmm. listening to our partner's needs, uh, and then being open to um, to new and different suggestions and ideas that make a positive impact on those aspects of our, of our lives. I don't know. I'm not the expert. You are, but what do you say about that? I, I agree. I agree. And like we said, you know, every time we talk about this topic, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to disagree, and that's okay. But I think, you know, we forget we forget that men, uh, the women, I'm sorry, are such sensual beings. Think about, you know, this is generational, right? They teach us, um, you know, how to cook. And again, I'm talking maybe about my culture or caretaking. All, all about that is smell and touch and really being aware of what's going on around you. I think often mm-hmm. when where men fail a little bit is that, you know, how do we initiate sex when, you know, when the hunt is done, right? Like when we're uh, trying to conquer that girl and all of a sudden, you know, in the beginning we bring flowers and we plan something, a surprise, you know, we want to make sure that they feel all this want and this desire and eventually we stop doing that. And the way that we initiate sex is like, hey, you know, kisses if you want to have sex tonight, not enticing, not, there isn't a tease. Women were all about, you know, that tease, that seduction. So I think when it comes to initiating and, and bringing that creativity, you know, and I understand the curiosity can kind of diminish because you know everything about the other person, but we're constantly changing. So listen to those sensual, you know, when I think about a girl's night out, right, what do we do? That we go out, we dance, right, listening to music, we're using the senses. You know, we maybe are dancing with one another, that touch, you know, the visuals, you get really dressed up, you make sure you look nice. So don't um, ignore, right, don't, don't, bypass this idea of the sensuality of a woman. There's so many parts of the body and parts of the vulva that can be explored in so many ways. And I think that where men fail, that we forget about that the sensuality that a woman can offer. How do you think how do you think we men uh, forget I mean I, I think that we probably we have a we tend to have a good grasp on it uh, early on uh, in you know late teenage years, early adulthood, uh, or if it's a newer relationship. Like, what? How do we get it so easily? Well, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, which which I want to mention, you mentioned earlier about um, high stress job and kind of leaving sex to the last thing we do after we're taking care of everything else. So remember, in the beginning, wonderful, great, but as things just start to settle and now we move in together and we're planning for our family, those fun conversations, that freedom of the relationship where we can just kind of pick up and go dancing if we want to, tends to decrease as the time passes. And so I think it has to do, you know, time is, uh, time is one of the common barriers that I hear in my sessions when it comes to not being able to connect sexually. So we tend to leave it to the last thing that we do. And then when the frustration comes in for men is that they learn, well, you should be having sex, right? And and I don't know if men are open with the other about no sexual relationships, right? Because what is, what is the advice that another guy gives a guy when they're telling them that they're in a no-sex marriage or a no-sex relationship? And the other part is that, you know, a lot of the times when you talk a little bit about avoidance and checking out, what do we do? Sometimes men find that it's here to watch porn and masturbate quick. High intensity, low romance, I'm done. So we also tend to meet our needs outside of this sexual relationship because relationships take work. 
right? I mean, we have yes. 50% of divorces because people, not because people are unhappy, but because they think that they can be happier somewhere else. You know, and, and I think when we yep. can accept this idea that it takes intentionality, that it takes work, that it takes curiosity and creativity, you know, then we can get to a place where we're facing, not avoiding. Right. Absolutely. You know, you talk about the avoidance. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, um, not too long ago, there was this there was this uh, conversation happening on social media and beyond where guys mm-hmm. were promoting these uh, these sex dolls. And, uh, you know, it was just okay. a lot of there were a lot of men. Yeah, there were a lot of men who were saying, hey, what's wrong with getting a sex doll? If you're not getting enough at home. Just go get your sex doll. It's not just ching and hey, there you go. And uh, I watched conversations develop, and it just seemed like every time a man was asked uh, to come up with a different way to reestablish a connection with his partner, um, then they they really couldn't get into that conversation. They really couldn't do the work there. They just said, hey, here's a sex robot. This fixes everything. We're good. But oh my God. That, that, yeah, it really doesn't fix anything the way that we think. Is that right? Yes, yes. And you know, and I think, and I think that's even, you know, if we can even talk about avoidance in a bigger scale, right? Like you see it all the time when people are kind of having an uncomfortable conversation, they grab their phone or they just stop talking. You know, avoidance is kind of encouraged in our society. But I think, you know, imagine, so imagine that everybody has a sex doll, women too, then it's like, you know, all of all four living happily or after, but I think it's a way, you know, it's a way of avoiding the pain and, and, and the discomfort mm-hmm. of having to sit with your partner, try to have a conversation that's significant and, you know, and that kind of creates some type of modifications and change in the relationship. So we can talk about sex dolls, we can talk about toys, we can talk about, everything and anything, you know, but at the same time, again, are we fixing the why of the problem, right? The sex call maybe doesn't give you a lot of shit, but still, right? It's not, it's not really kind of providing that connection. You know, when it comes to sexuality, it's such a vital part of the relationship and such a vital part of the, of the human being that really we need to think about how do we create those bridges instead of creating those tunnels where we seek to, um, you know, pleasure ourselves without being in the relationship, but just the sizing, the sex, porn, I mean, you name it. Yeah. So, guys, we've been listening to Paulo Rodriguez of Life Discovery Psychotherapy in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Florida. And, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, the issues of sex and relationships. We at times uh, experience sexual problems, and we tend to blame each other once we start experiencing those sexual problems. So, Paulo's here today to uh, help us kind of work through some of those things. If you all have any questions, we are live today. You can dial 929-477-1283, and we can get you in the uh, lineup to ask her a question. Uh, if you do not feel comfortable, you are able to send us a message. You can send us a message on our Facebook page as well as our Instagram page, and uh, we can uh, get those questions answered for you. And if you know you decide to uh, listen at a later date and you want to email questions, uh, then our email is listed as well as Paula's email and we'll be able to uh, to ask her questions that way. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Transforming gender norms, enriching mental health, engaging in social support. These are the goals of the YBMN Project, a social media intervention created specifically for young black men. To learn more about the YB Men Project, visit us at ybmenproject.com. The YB Men Project is funded by the University of Michigan School of Social Work, the University of Michigan Depression Center, and the Steve Fund. So again, guys, here are to Paulo Rodriguez talk to us today about sexual problems and relationships, and we are covering a lot. We know that a lot of times couples reach a point where they experience what I like to call sexual anorexia. You know, it's um, not being as fulfilling as uh, things used to be. Maybe guys are working a lot. Maybe you have kids and things are getting in the way. Maybe you've experienced infidelity or something of that sort. And so mm-hmm. it can be kind of difficult 
to uh, to connect with each other. So, uh, Paula, you know, um, I wanted to ask you a question regarding um, a comment that one of our followers mentioned. He said that uh, he felt like the uh, current talks about gender and just um, masculinity and how things are maybe changing here in America and around the world. Um, mm-hmm. He talked about the fear of maybe that having an impact on men's libido. So how would you address that? Well, remember, libido, it's about sex drive, right? So I wonder, so libido is sex drive, right? Desire is arousal, right? It's like the wishing, the wanting. Um, so I wonder, well, with sex drive, I think that it might, uh, maybe it might affect more the desire and the arousal. And do you mean because there is a fear of, you know, can you tell me a little bit more, like a fear of, well, I think that I think that um, you know what he was referring to was just that he didn't feel very he didn't feel very manly. You know, he, he didn't. He's mm. having some confusion about when to approach or, or just, you know what 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 does consent really look like? Does does consent will it impact his mind and how he normally approaches women? And um, you know, will he exert as much effort? Uh, in that area of his life, if he's unsure of, of um, you know, how someone else thinks about sex or how they approach it. And so, you know, I couldn't answer myself. I just received the email. But uh, I have yeah. heard men talk talk about just this, this feeling of, uh, this, uh-oh, what's, what's going to happen now? You know, yeah. and I know that for some yeah. guys, you know, some, some, some men probably just, they need to have their boundaries check. There's no question about it. But I think that there are some other innocent guys, they don't have enough, they don't have anybody to talk to about sex. And so they're like, wait a minute, what, what do I do now? Like, how do I approach this? You see, and I think that that's what, uh, yeah. Okay. Got you. So that's what he was referring to. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Listen, really another wonderful, important subject. I see, I am seeing a lot of younger men, I'm going to say maybe in 20 to 28, in their 20s, right, where they're really struggling with exactly what this question is asking, when is it okay, how do I approach, you know, this idea of consent, I think we're talking so much about consent, and we're really creating a lot of fear around consent, somebody just shared with me that there's an app that you can download, before you have sex with someone, you check the consensual so that you don't get blame or sued or anything along those lines. You know, a little crazy because it's kind of taking away the idea of kind of being in the present moment when it comes to sexuality. But I think what's happening right now is that we're redefining what masculinity really means. And I think for this particular person, it's really important to understand, okay, what were the messages about being a man that were taught to me by my parents, by my father, what did I see him do? What are the things that, that were the messages that I learned? And what type of man do I want to be, right? I, do I want to modify and change any of that? But I think when you're talking about how do I approach, when do I approach, you know, there's a lot of anxiety around that. You know, am I going to be creepy? Do I talk about it now? You know, do I go behind a woman? What if she thinks that I'm being, you know, this I think that there's so much around that that, you know, it gets really overwhelming and it's created a little bit of anxiety around men. I work with men that are just really looking for guidance, you know, what's okay and what's not okay and how do I go about this in the best way possible. But, you know, I wish I could give a more generalized answer, but I think, you know, it's really on a case-to-case basis, but I would encourage, you know, really explore what that looks like. And, you know, and I think the energy of someone and just being able you know, when we dance with someone and or when someone says no or they're really not interested, picking up on those cues, right? But I think when there's when we sprinkle a lot of anxiety around that, people are gonna overthink and they're gonna kind of question. So I think it really depends on how do we handle that anxiety, but really, you know, approaching and, and not being afraid because a lot of the times men get stuck in what if. What if she says no? What if I get rejected? What if I'm being a creep? What if and then we don't really go beyond that. So not getting stuck in those what if thoughts, because I think a lot of stuff that gets in the way of just being able to be in the moment. Right. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, you know 
points to something when you talk about the anxiety. If there's somebody out there who's creating an, an app and who's looking at an app, <laughs> you know, trying to see if they get everything checked off, there's yeah. definitely some anxiety uh, there. And and it's it's unfortunate that uh, when we talk about masculinity and we talk about toxic masculinity and we see these headlines and these articles everywhere, yeah. it's unfortunate that it's been politicized in a way that it has. So a man who is just trying to convey that, hey, I, I, I don't know what to do, is being, is being accused of being a creep when he's really expressing his anxiety. He's like, hey, somebody yeah. show me something that works. Um, and, and I, I think that we've got to be allowed to have those conversations as men. Uh, we've got to have those conversations with women, right? Um, and it can't Absolutely. be something that's politicized, uh, uh, something that we're just outright, you know, criminalizing people for. People need answers. So okay? I think that yeah. this is a part of continued sex ed, right? Um, so, guys, you are listening to Paula Rodriguez of Life is Psychotherapy in Fort Lauderdale and uh, Miami, Florida. Now, if you all want to follow her, you can follow her on Instagram at Live Discovery Psych. You can also visit her website at www.lifediscoverypsych.com. And we are talking about sexual sexual problems uh, today, sexual experiences that maybe create uh, some of the problems that we have. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because I think this is extremely important, today when we talk about uh, the Me movement, when we talk about sexual education and problems that arise uh, between two people. Um, and I know this could be a completely you know, new and different podcast. I won't include just a portion of it here. When you speak about experiences, do you find that couples sometimes come with you saying that they're experiencing problems uh, in their sex life due to trauma? at all? Do you have that uh, presented yes. as well? Yes, yes. And I think, you know, trauma, uh, I think a lot of the times, you know, people have a hard time understanding it because what happens with sexual trauma, especially, right, because remember, uh, when trauma happens, it can be triggered years after the sexual trauma took place. Just like we were talking about earlier, sexuality is very sensual or using your senses. So smells can trigger a certain type of trauma, you know, a certain feeling can 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 definitely uh, trigger some trauma. So impactful experiences during upbringing. And, you know, we're talking about sexual, but it can be a lot of different things. There were, again, really negative messages around masturbation or negative messages. Or, you know, if, if a mom always told the daughter, you can't get pregnant, you can't get pregnant, you can't get pregnant. And it was really emphasized in an excessive and compulsive way because of the mom's own upbringing, you know, that can definitely create some issues, absolutely. So I think, you know, trauma and impactful experiences definitely come up as I'm working with couples. I see. Got you. Yeah, and that's that's something that um, I, I think about a lot of times. Uh, but I, I guess now my question regarding trauma uh, we, we hear so much about sexual trauma and how it impacts um, women, right? Mm-hmm. So how, what, do we, what do we know about sexual trauma and how it impacts men? Yeah, I think, you know, when uh, the thing, so there is, so when I've seen men that have had sexual trauma, the first word that comes to mind is shame, Right, there's so much shame. And remember that the difference between guilt and shame, guilt is I made a mistake, shame is I am the mistake. So the, the, I think the difference between men and women is that women tend to be more open and talk about it more. Men tend to internalize it, right? And it comes out eventually at some point. That's why I'm always really adamant at doing a full sex history with the individuals themselves so that I can get a more sense of what went on. But you mentioned earlier, which I love that you guys are doing this because men need to talk about it more. You know, we need to create pockets and spaces where we can talk about this trauma more openly because it's impacting them. They just don't talk about it enough. Mm -hmm. But what I often see is shame. And that kind of leads me to ask more questions and be more curious and explore more. what I find is that when sexual trauma has happened for men, most of the time they internalize, don't talk about it at all, don't tell anybody about it, and then it comes out for sure 
but even talking about it with their partner or with me, you know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Definitely needs a little bit of resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I think that, uh, you know, we, we, I was reading an article recently that uh, where they interviewed the founder of the Me Too movement and she mm-hmm. had to come out and kind of, and I was so happy that she came out and said this, but she had to come out and say, Hey guys, the Me Too movement isn't just about women and it's not just about pretty women in Hollywood. This is about mm-hmm. anybody who has been uh, sexually traumatized and offended um, anybody this is a chance for anyone to get the back and speak of they need. And I think that because uh, it's kind of linked towards uh, being uh, women who primarily spoken out or women who are getting attention for it or, or those voices are being heard. A lot of men aren't, aren't speaking up. A lot of men aren't talking about experiences. A lot of men, a lot of men aren't being supported by other men when they do speak out about those experiences. Absolutely. But yes. um, would you would you say and and I mean this may just be way too general a question, but um mm-hmm. you know when you talk about men who have been shamed and them acting out, I'm very curious. Uh, do you do you think that there's a correlation between um men sexual abuse, uh, you know, them acting out and, and maybe maybe having their own set of bad sexual boundaries with people later on in life. Does this have any correlation at all? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, I think it comes along with, you know, and, and we're talking about men's sexual abuse, but I also think about just, you know, going back to what we were talking about, the messages, right, that a woman should have sex with me, I, women should you know, when we go out and just kind of flirt or come on to women and just very like, you know, not masculine, but oh, there's a word that I'm looking for, but just, you know, very aggressive and very, you know, just, just the look, just the way that someone looks at you can come off like, oh, yikes, you know, but I think that if they're taught that, hey, you're a man and this is what you're supposed to do, that can definitely make those boundaries blurry. Um, and I think when it comes to acting out, definitely has a lot to do with, you know, how we see ourselves when it comes to men and women, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, and I ask that because I've had, I've had uh, colleagues in the past and, and friends and even my own experiences, you know, and I go, wait a minute, where, where did I get that from? And why did I do this with this person? Or why did I do this to this person? Or what, you know, what was I really thinking about? I think a lot of times we can just go from A to B to C and not put in a lot of thought uh, and reflection about those things. So we're, we're running on uh, the end of uh, our time today, uh, Paula, but I wanted to ask you uh, really quick, you know, if there are three takeaways, there are three things you would like for the audience to take away from, you know, addressing sexual problems and trying to figure out who they belong to, what would those three things be? Sure. So I think, you know, to, to kind of end on, you, you were talking about men. Listen, men, if you guys are asking yourself the question of, oh, my God, consent, am I doing this right? We're anxious about certain things because we care. So already that you're questioning and seeking the answers and seeking guidance, that is a good thing. We can't see this as right or wrong. And I'm so happy to hear that the person that created the Me Too movement also brought in men, you know, so just hanging there and really do the work and seek for that support. The other thing, when we talk about desire for my couple, remember romantic love and passion and hot sex, it's not what's going to get you back to a place of connection. It is about comfort attraction, trust, creativity, willingness, seduction. Men, use that sensual part of the woman. Just start by initiating things a little bit different. And for my women, you know, it's important for you to initiate it as well because this makes the men feel desired. And the last thing would be that we got to remember that desire, libido, and arousal looks very different for everyone. We can't say because I want it, you should want it too. Someone may want a tall glass of cold water after a stressful day. Someone may want an orgasm, right? So don't see those differences as a way to divide you, but really as a chance to get to know each other better. 
Wow, those are those are great points. Can you know consent because we care. So we are actually talking about consent because we care. We're not just brutes yeah. about everything. And uh, you mentioned some some very important key points: desire, comfort, attraction, trust. Yeah, and these are a lot of things that we just kind of tend to gloss over sometimes. And uh, you're very right in that desire and libido are different for for everybody. And I, I think that sometimes we have to put our uh, our big boy pants on and, and kind of recognize that uh, the other individual sitting across the room is very different in some cases than we are, right? Uh, and yeah. we just have to we have to have conversations about that and respect uh, those those are very human differences. Those are physiological <laughs> and psychological yeah. differences that you cannot do anything uh, about. You can only work with the individual. So, Paula, we, we thank you very much for spending some time with us today. Again, guys, you all have been listening to Paula Rodriguez of Live Discovery Psychotherapy in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Miami, Florida. Uh, you can visit her website at www dot lifediscoverypsych.com you can also follow her on instagram at life discovery psych and paula um for the people listening in the state of florida what is the what's a contact phone number for your office there uh so my phone number is uh the contact number the best one is 786-719-4721 and I am also working down here in Florida to put together something, you know, I want to give men a voice. So I'm working on understanding a male's perspective. Hopefully that will be uh, ready to go next year. But we're going to be talking about a lot of the things that we tapped on today. Um, you know, I just, I think that we need to give everybody more support, um, men and women. But, but yeah, thank, thank you for having me and for allowing me to talk about this subject. I'm really passionate about what I do because I think we need to be more open about it. And we need to provide more of this talk. So thank you for creating such an amazing uh, place where everybody can, can listen and talk and reflect. Absolutely. That's what we are here for. We are guys uh, who had problems helping guys who have problems. So Love. there are any number of us. Yeah, we've dealt with all kinds of things, whether that is, uh, you know, sex addiction, infidelity. Uh, I mean, you name it, guys have been there. We know that it's real. Uh, so we just want to reach out and try to help people. Okay, so again, we thank you very much, guys. It is the weekend. We know that it's the holiday weekend, and uh, we hope that everybody's enjoyed spending time with their families and that you all have not eaten too much, but that you have enjoyed yourselves and continue to enjoy yourselves on this Black Friday shopping out there. Be safe. Uh, spend time with your loved ones. and Be sure to take care of yourselves, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.